Welcome to the Fishbowl, the podcast where I record conversations about business, entrepreneurship, and other valuable topics. Welcome to the Fishbowl, episode 16. We are here with Rob Shad today. How are you doing? I am doing quite fantastic. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me. Uh, Rob is a world traveler, a serial entrepreneur, an Amazon selling aficionado. And fun fact, he makes the best French presses. And that's correct because I'm enjoying one right now. So thank you for that, Rob. You've been developing all sorts of businesses, both on and off the internet. Tell us about when that first started for you, your first sort of piece of entrepreneurship. Yeah, that I would say started probably around like eight years old. You know, the typical lemonade stand, top of the street. Uh, there, I forget exactly what I want to buy. I think it was like a digital camera. My dad's like, go make the money. I'm like, okay. So I uh, just took my wagon up to the top of the street, to the top of the corner, and uh, started selling lemonade. And I walked down to Target. I bought the supplies, made the lemonade. Whenever I ran out, I would go home, buy more. I made like 150 bucks the first summer. And it really elevated when my dad gave me some like lemons and like sugar. And I started to make fresh squeezed lemonade. So I learned I could sell it for a higher price. And he gave it to me for free. So it was 100% profit at that point. I remember reeling in like 40, 50 bucks a day. That's awesome. How old were you at that time? About eight. And I did this from, I would say, eight, nine, ten, just over the summer. That's awesome. How often would you work uh, over those summers? Uh, I would say I would do it maybe once, twice a week. Uh, nothing too serious. You know, just kind of dabbling, making money for myself. And uh, slowly started to transition into working in my dad's business, probably around 10, 11. Um, he owns a gourmet popcorn company. So I'm not a cereal entrepreneur. I'm a popcorn entrepreneur. <laughs> um <laughs> So yeah, I would uh, I would help him out in his popcorn company, uh, sell at festivals, fairs, whatnot, um, and that really just kind of taught me a work ethic, and I enjoyed it. It was fun. I got to interact with people, and you know I got to walk home with some cash. So can't really beat that. Absolutely, that making kind of your own thing on the spot and you know selling it to just people face to face that's often a really good start especially when you're you know a little kid you have that cuteness factor to you um i remember my first taste was actually seeing my sister make different bracelets she was like really into making all these sorts of friendship bracelets and then at the time we lived in utah we would go to these outdoor concerts uh, and that were free and she just walk around selling them out of a little tray and I remember I was so jealous because she had like 500 bucks at some point and I was like oh my gosh you have so much money just yeah. from doing what you like um, so I, I definitely see that uh, that's awesome how was it like working for your dad it was a amazing experience that like I would say really helped me to where I am now it's not only I mean it's always nice to make money as a kid and not being dependent on your parents like that's amazing but it taught me how to work it taught me how to interact with people it taught me how to like make money and then it also taught me that I never want to work for anyone else in my life and I learned this probably when I was about 15 or 16 and I was working like a festival for my dad and 
I was working by myself. And at the end of the day, I made them like $2,500. I get paid maybe $125. And I'm like, wow, this is something. He didn't have to do anything. I did all the work and he just made how much? And that that's when it hit me of like the whole like leveraging your time. You know, you get people to work for you. You have a great product. They sell your product and you make money and then you don't have to be there. You know what I mean? Like whereas a job and you like and from my standpoint, I'm like, I just had to stand here for eight hours to make that amount of money. And then my dad didn't have to stand here for the eight hours to make that amount of money. That's when it first clicked for you. That That is like the day it clicked. And I, I just recall that moment. I was working at a, a fe- like a, a festival selling our nuts. And it clicked. I'm like, I just worked my butt off. And he was at home all day. And, and it just all came together. I'm like, yeah, I never want to sell my time for dollars again. I see. I see. It's definitely a different way of thinking for sure from the conventional. Um individuals americans and such in which many of us americans are conditioned to really go and train to be worker monkeys working for the man but that's awesome how at a young age you realized you wanted to be the man you saw the pros in it and you really saw how things functioned very clearly so how long did you work for your dad before you went and started your own thing or went to another job yeah, so I worked for him, I'd say, from about 10 to 18. Um, very much, like, all over the summer during the school year. And, yeah, mostly probably around 16, 17, 18, I really started, like, my whole summers were dedicated to uh, helping him out sell popcorn at PNC Park, which is where the Pirates play, if we have any listeners outside of Pittsburgh. Uh, just filling him in on that. But I would really help out, help him run the stand, um, kind of, almost be the manager down there and there was a problem he wouldn't get the call my friends would call me that also work be like hey rob we have a problem can you help us fix this and i'm like guys i'm like out i'm this isn't my business call my dad so it was kind of cool having that type of responsibility at such a young age so that's cool so you were working with all sorts of your friends as well there yeah, yeah, my dad my dad found that to be the some of the best employees are just, you know, people 18, 17, 18 that wanted to make a nice little summer paycheck and I mean, a lot of these kids I played baseball with or grew up with, so you kind of knew their character traits and he would do well and who wouldn't. I see. Wow, that's awesome how he could really uh leverage his son to find people uh with a little bit more of a vested interest than just your conventional individual. That's that's great. So, you went to Cardinal Whirl, North Catholic. And well, it's just North Catholic High School right now. Oh, they changed it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I see. Hey, if you check the news around August, then uh, you'll see why. What happened? We, we don't need to get into religion, but <laughs> there's a little scandal in the church. Oh, with, like, Catholicism? No, with, like, like, like molestation with, like, priests. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 Did yeah. you remember, like, like yeah, the Catholic back in August? Priest. Yeah, with yeah. Catholic priest. And his name got dragged into it, so they took his name off the school. But, oh, yeah. I didn't know it was one of them. Yeah. You hate to see that. <laughs> but, you know, evils exist everywhere. Exactly. You know, and religious people, um, religious figures, clergy, um, perhaps are some of the 
people that obviously we would expect the least to do that, but that's why they can sometimes get away with it for so long. But they're still people. Exactly. It's like when um, the most innocent kid at your school is like the drug dealer because like he's never going to get caught because he's the most innocent. Fascinating. Anyway, back to uh, back to algebra. <laughs> yeah, I went to Knock High School, so just to hop and a skip away, um, and that's sweet. So, what sort of things did you do in high school um, leading up to, uh, you know, when you got out of there? So personally, like, I was a pretty good student. I was at the top of the class, like, not the smartest brain kid, but also like still pretty smart like in ap classes honors classes A's, pretty much all a student so i did very well academically um and then with that i played baseball and basketball sweet awesome so very active yeah um, kept myself you, busy that's good that's good um so you took a little bit of a different path secondary education or post-secondary education wise than most individuals uh tell us a little bit about that yeah, so I decided that going and doing the traditional education route wasn't the going to be the best for me. And I did have a pretty sweet deal lined up to play baseball at a D3 school. Got pretty good academic scholarship. Um, would have covered most of my tuition, um, which would have actually brought the cost way down. So that money and money wasn't really a big issue for going to school. It was more of just the time commitment of going and sitting in class and listening to professors that I don't, I didn't think would be the right teachers for me and weren't going to be present to our like current situations today and entrepreneurship and how the world is moving. So no, knowing that it did take a little convincing to get my mom on board and my dad obviously owning a business growing up working the business he was pushing me on the uh, skip school route and uh, yeah that's what I decided to do I just decided to go out on my own do my own thing and not look back wow at what moment did you have that epiphany that push uh, right you can logically kind of think about it and see the pros and cons and arrive at that perhaps but what was there a certain moment where you realize screw it i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give in to the norms yeah so all throughout that summer of senior year i was on edge about it and i was verbally telling my parents that my goal of going to school was to drop out of school so having that as the mindset um, I had to do a little convincing on them, but I would say throughout that whole summer, it just kind of grew on me. And then I literally told my mom, like, don't pay the tuition. It's not worth it. And she's like, yeah, I still want you to school. So like literally it was the day tuition was due. It was August 14th, 2016. I'm like, mom, I'm not going. Don't pay the tuition. I'll call the baseball coach. Say I'm not going. I'll call the school. Say I'm not going. And she's, she just kind of had to say yes, because I wasn't going to be invested in it. It was going to be a waste of money. It was going to be a waste of time. And she gave me like a one year, like, because I think her thought was that I was going to mess around for a year and not do anything with my life. And she's like, here, we'll give you one year and go like, you don't need to make a certain amount of money. We just want to see that you're doing stuff and being proactive in your life. And, you know, the conversation never came up again about me going to school. That was kind of the end of it right there. That's, that's awesome. That's epic. So it was August 14th 
what when did you start your business when did what, what were your next steps after deciding screw school let's move on to real life and get some stuff done <laughs> Yeah, so primarily I do a lot of Amazon selling, and I'm very active now in a couple of different ventures that all involve selling on Amazon. Um, but to kind of backtrack, what got me into that is in high school, I would go to the outlet stores, uh, Grove City Outlets, actually, and I would go and just find mostly Nike shoes, Adidas shoes, clothes didn't really work too well, that were underpriced, I would search eBay. I would uh, see what price I could sell them for. I'd buy them, list them, sell them, and just flip them back and forth. Make $50 here, $30 here, $50 here per pair. And I was probably made, I actually never calculated, maybe about $1,500 over the course of two, three months. And uh, doing that kind of on the side in high school. So it's nice when you can match what you're making for your dad with money on your own. Um, and that's really why I heard a podcast um kind of funny because we're talking on a podcast so maybe this inspires someone but i heard a podcast about um selling on amazon and a whole process of private labeling of finding a product that sells well already um finding a manufacturer in china to produce it then wiring your money over having it get shipped over to the u.s have it sit in an amazon fulfillment center and then sell it that was, I was like, you know what, I can do this. Like, I kind of, and it made sense because I did like the, the retail arbitrage of buy low, sell high. So it, it made logical sense to me. The numbers made sense to me. And February of senior years, when I started to listen to it and like start to take it in, and I was kind of on edge about it. And then I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do this. So for about three full months, all I did was listen to podcasts about how to sell on Amazon, listen to YouTube videos, and just like self-educated myself around how to do it. And it was two days after I graduated, it would be June 6th, that I sent five grand over to a manufacturer in China to produce my first product. It's in the party supply niche. I, you know, I'm a little quiet about what I sell because I don't want people copying me. Because right. I mean, mostly my my ability to sell comes from finding a niche that's underserved. So if I just say, hey, this is what I'm selling and 10 people come and jump on, it's going to hurt my sales. For sure. Um, so, And I, as they say, there's riches in the niches, although they're less searched and such. Nonetheless, in this age, everything's searched. Right? Exactly. That, that's, that's really cool. So you went from flipping uh, kind of manually. Uh, you were still making pretty good money doing, you know, uh, this, this during high school with just your spare time and – you know, it seemed it seems like it was a little bit uh, some fun to you. Did did you enjoy that? Well, it was a great time because I've I always enjoyed buying stuff. So when I could buy stuff and make money on it, it's just just even better of an experience. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense to me. I'm I'm the same way, although uh, I don't resell myself. <laughs> Maybe you should start. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so when how many months after you decided to quit school did you go on and? Uh, and uh, started that first Amazon, you know, you, you sent that 5000 over. Yeah, that was two days after I finished high school that it started. And uh, wow. whenever I decided to, like, not go to school, I had $0 in sales. I haven't even touched the product yet. It was just about to ship from overseas. So, like, I was... I was, I was in it. I was still a newbie. You know what I mean? Like I have, I didn't sell anything. I just kind of had like the dream and the drive that I would do it. So it's not even like I could sell success to my parents. It was just like, I'm going to have success in the future. You just have to trust me right now. 
And uh, I would say, and it was around October actually that I made my first sale. It was October 14th, I believe. That that's the time the inventory finally got to Amazon. That's when I made the first sale. And within two weeks, because that was the hot season for the product, which I quickly found out, I did over eighteen thousand dollars in sales. There you go. So from five thousand to eighteen thousand, how did you feel once that happened? Amazing. Like what? What other eighteen year? Or I should say I was nineteen at the time. Yeah, I just felt incredible. I was like, I didn't know that there was this power of selling stuff on Amazon on the internet, and that was like the realization of it. I got lucky too. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. I mean, I mean, I set myself up to get lucky. Like, you can get lucky. I feel like you have to get lucky in business, but you have to set yourself up to do it. You're not just gonna get lucky if you don't do anything. You have to set yourself up and put yourself in this situation. If everything's aligned. Yeah, then stuff happens. That's epic. So how long after that, before you pick the next product, uh, what sort of process, I, I guess I should ask, did you go through to figure out what the next product would be and such? Yeah, so the next product was a flop, so I'll openly talk about it. It was uh, clipboards. <laughs> and, what were they? Sorry. Uh, clipboards. Clipboards. Yeah, so I'm like, oh my gosh, this, this looks like a great product. The numbers worked out. Everything kind of worked out like, like number wise, I'm like, okay, let's do this. And I just never, they never just caught on on Amazon because you can't really like market clipboards. I can't say my clipboards are better than your clipboards. <laughs> That's a really hard sell um, because at the end of the day, they're just, they're a clipboard. Like there's nothing special to them. Um, so that product ultimately flopped. I, you know, lost a couple thousand dollars on it, but it was a learning lesson to basically teach myself that like anything I sell in the future, I need to be able to market. Um, and that also made me really hone down on my copywriting skills, my ad skills, my skills to get reviews on Amazon. So it was still a good experience in the learning side of it. At the end of the day, it was, um, yeah, it was an ultimate flop. And, uh, very quickly after I, uh, well, after I kind of sold through the rest of them, fast forward a year, I had a month where I did, it was October, 2017. I did like 150 grand in sales, selling my party supply product in a, niche product for october so there you go <laughs> how did that feel compared to the last one i feel like i was on cloud nine <laughs> that's like, awesome surpassing most people's income in one month Pretty yeah cool. that's super epic <laughs> so from there on um you did you decide to kind of double down on amazon there or did you kind of look for other opportunities yeah so after that i went i launched more products and i mean actually only have one more of those that are still in my uh, current inventory right now. I discontinued the other ones. And honestly, I find it a, it's a balance of launching stuff and then selling it and then kind of figuring out if it makes sense for you. Um, that, that, that's how I'm open-minded about it. It's like, if I have a flop product, it's not a big deal because I know that the products that are home runs make up for the flops. And so long you, you get up to bat and you go like a baseball player if you go 0 for 10 and then you get three hits in a row, it's going to average out. You know what I mean? It's the law of averages. So, so long you're able to have a, a higher average, you're going to do better. If you strike out every time, you're quickly going to get thrown out of the game. You're quickly going to be put on the bench, I should say. Um, so, yeah, I went and launched some products. I started to do some uh, consulting in the space and working with other brands and helping them out. And honestly, that was a major failure. Like, that was a absolute failure because i wanted to do like a revenue share model and what i found is i did all the work and they didn't do anything to kind of mm -hmm. help me sell which i need so much from them to help out 
and it just didn't work out. It was a huge, I'm not going to call it a waste of time because it's a learning lesson, but it was a, it was a huge learning lesson over the last year. <laughs> yeah. And I've kind of gone back to doing that work right now, but with a whole new model, just absolutely changed the model. I have a partner I work with now and, um, it's going way better because I'm doing it how it should be done and not a way that's setting me up for failure. Okay. That's very fascinating. So, it's cool how you, uh, throughout this learning, you've been wanting to help others through your consultation and such. Uh, what are your future plans for Amazon or anything like this? Yeah, so as a big thank you to my dad, um, because I did hit an existential crisis in last October. What was it? I just hit this crisis of, like, I'm making good money, like... Like, I'm not, I'm not going to say no to making good money. Um, but I felt like I was like missing purpose and felt like I should do something like bigger than me and uh, sitting, I'm like, and it just hit me. I'm like, why don't I help my dad out? He's struggling with his business right now. Um, like we pulled out of, uh, selling at the pirate stadium last year. So like that was his big revenue source that's missing. Now he opened up a store. It's not having the success that, um, he thought it would have, so with that, I was like, you know what? I should help him out, get him back on his feet, build him up for the next year, two years, and set him up for success in the future. And uh, like one thing I identified is popcorn sells really well on Amazon. So right now we're going all in, and I'm building out his popcorn store on Amazon. And hopefully in a year, two years, I, sh I shouldn't say hopefully, in a year and two years, um, he'll have a significant business making popcorn, selling it on Amazon, and I hope that that's his model that he can take and grow over the next five years. That's pretty epic. I know one of my professors at some point uh, brought in a huge tub of uh, of popcorn to share with the class, and it was like within a plastic uh, sort of bag, and it was also within like a shipping kind of cardboard box. And she's like, I got this online. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, you know, I can definitely see how and why people are, are interested in getting their foods online. Uh, that's really becoming a trend as of recent. Um, what sort of information do you have on getting that, you know, food online kind of trend? What have you seen? I mean, it's all convenience. Like, I mean, even at my apartment, I don't, I don't go to Target, I don't go to Walmart, I don't go to Giant Eagle anymore. I order everything, unless it's below me in the strip district and it's at one of those places. I, I order everything. I just doesn't make sense to get in my car and drive. Like, maybe I'm spoiled, but mm -hmm. I don't know. That was probably the one thing I missed the most when traveling was having access to buying on Amazon. It's just incredible that literally anything you want, except maybe like fresh produce and stuff hasn't really hit our market yet that they do that delivery um and kind of do like going and buying from some of the smaller businesses down below but literally any good like shampoo conditioner deodorant i order on amazon now it's just it's easy i'm not gonna i'm not gonna contest easy why do i want to get in my car go in traffic when i can just click two days it's here i'm good to go for sure. What what do you see in the price difference between online getting it shipped to your house and F Prime and I and with Amazon, it's a marketplace. I mean, I know as a seller that when more people come on and you have more competition, people are going to drive the price down. 
So for the most part, I find prices to be even similar, maybe a little bit lower. It just really depends on the thing. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I wouldn't say I'm price conscious. Um, I'm convenience conscious. That's cool. That's awesome. I have never purchased any beverage or food online yet. So it's really fascinating to hear others talk about that for me. Uh, so up until now, you've really had a lot of products on Amazon. Now you're uh, looking at something um, a little bit you know, a bigger challenge, uh, perhaps, I guess everything has been quite, uh, you know, risk, risky that you've done. Uh, but you're really uh, looking at uh, building a brand uh, with something that already existed. Um, that was, you know, you found you you thought you could, you know, work with uh, versus something you deliberately looked and researched and, you know, saw that there perhaps was a market for that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump in right now. What I'm doing with my dad's popcorn is just like what I do with the product. So I'm looking for stuff that's already working and I'm just molding his popcorn to fit it. So it's the same exact process of instead of creating the market, I'm finding the market and his popcorn's the thing. And it's just different how we package it and how we present it to people that that's the that that that's what I've done before. That It's all marketing at the end of the day. It's just that I'm doing it with popcorn versus some good I source out of China. Yeah, that's pretty epic. Uh, how d are you guys making the product? Uh, he has a manufacturing plan. And the one reason I won't talk about what I'm saying with my products, but I'll openly talk about popcorn, is at the end of the day, the popcorn niche on Amazon, like it's amazing. And any food niche is, most of them are pretty good because there's so much that goes into making popcorn. Like cost, you have to incur to have a warehouse, have all the... Uh, machines be able to buy all the raw goods in quantity where you can get it at a good enough price all the packaging the labor there's a lot that goes into it that most people can't do whereas like what i do with my products anyone can go on alibaba.com and find what i sell there's nothing too special i mean i i do get some custom um design on it like i'll get some small modifications i'll brand it but for the most part the base product most of the base products I sell, you can find in five minutes. It's not that hard. Um, it's just how I market it that's different. But with popcorn, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a lot bigger of a uh, a hurdle you have to go through to uh, to get a kernel out. For sure, for sure. Good good way of putting it. <laughs> now, among your able to work as a uh, in digital space. You were able to travel the world mostly throughout 2018. Is that correct? Yeah, I started, uh, I would say, about October 2017 into about end of October 2018. So pretty much a full year. So where, what sorts of places did you go to? Actually, this time last year, I was in uh, Medellin, Colombia. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely amazing there. Like, that was one of my favorite places. Um, I spent about a month there. I spent a month and a half in Budapest, Hungary. I did Dubai. I did Greece. I did Croatia. I went to Italy, France, uh, Iceland. Uh, I did a full month in Mexico. I did Dubai. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty epic. Not many 20-year-olds at the time, right? Yeah, uh, tw uh, yeah, I was 20. Yeah, I was 20. Can say they've been to all those different places. And, uh, you know, you just got back from Texas literally a couple hours before this recording. 
and now you're like, you know, I don't want to be on a plane for a while. You are right about that. <laughs> that's, well, that's epic. Yeah, no, my experience from it, I kind of traveled myself out. Um, what I found was that jumping place to place every month and sometimes less than a month um, really tires you out because whenever you go to a new place, number one, you're curious to explore. I, did, I mean, I did a ton of running and that's where I really got to explore these locations, but you're always curious to explore and then you have to find where you're going to get groceries, how are you going to get around, um, where are you going to eat at, uh, where are you going to work out at, where are you going to work at, like what coffee shop has the best Wi-Fi. And then after, you know, you settle in, like, cause it, you know, it takes a little bit to like settle in and feel at home. Once you settle in, you have to pack your bags and go somewhere new. And it just, it just kind of took some of the fun out of it. And it really just weared on me like personally. And I felt like I was always just trying to chase something that wasn't there. When in reality, some of these places I'm like, Oh my gosh, I wish I could stay here for three months and really, like, being there for the time I was, I got to take in the culture, but really take in the culture, really build out some of the friendships I made. And, yeah, that was just my overall experiences. At some point, I do want to, you know, pack the suitcase, take the backpack, live out of my suitcase and backpack, but stay in places for three to six months. I see. I see. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I really like that you mentioned uh, the relationships and such because that's something that it's perhaps the best souvenir being able to uh, in this interconnected world just uh, always you know remember but also upkeep with an individual. Um, I've also done my fair share of traveling, not quite like how you have. Uh, I've never traveled by myself. Um, and I, how is traveling by yourself, by the way? I mean, honestly, I traveled with friends a lot of the time, like either meeting up with people. Um, I did do a little bit by myself, but a, honestly, a lot of the time I was with other people. Um, and it, I think it was just because I had friends that were like, Hey, you want to do this? You want to do that? And it just made it easy to kind of like meet up and, uh, I surrounded myself with those types of people. So it made traveling with others pretty easy. But when I was by myself, I, I enjoyed it because it really forces you to get out of your comfort zone, make new friends, um, get out there. And yeah, I, I, and I think it just kind of enhances the experience. You just have to be a little bit open and, you know, not be afraid and be able to just like go say what's up to people on their laptops. Um, so that's, that was kind of the big takeaway traveling by myself and being someone that's more, I would say introverted. Um, it really helped me in the growth of myself to kind of not, fear talking to people if that makes sense right tell me some epic traveling stories it can be anything from any of these countries what are some awesome stories you have this is probably the stupidest thing i did i was in (laughs) iceland and um it was amazing there and i highly recommend anyone go there and i think wow air still flies out of pittsburgh so you can get there so cheap um rent a car drive around iceland and is the most beautiful just like out of this world like place you'll ever you'll ever go to um especially with the snow and the grass and it is just stunning and it really makes you feel connected with nature and your surroundings but i did something yeah i would say pretty stupid there Uh, i mean (laughs) there's like there's this like famous glacier Mm. and uh it was probably like 20 degrees outside it was a little rain a little snow going and me and my friend were like 
I want to go on this glacier and get a sweet picture on it so we can stand on the glacier. So we stripped down to our swim tracks. We ran on the glacier. <laughs> and granted, like, if we fall in, this is, like, freezing cold, like, ice water. Or if we fall through, it is freezing cold. So we, like, ran on the gl- glacier. We get our pics. It was incredible. Like, the the best pictures ever, but probably not the smartest thing to do. The most epic thing and, that, like, most epic picture that I ever took was in Dubai – my friend, uh, he helps hotels market, and in Dubai, we were staying at, like, a $4,000 a night penthouse. Like, it was insane. We probably ran up, like, a $20,000 tab. Oh, my gosh. And, yeah, we did two weeks of between Dubai and islands in Greece, all comped by these hotels. It was incredible. We were staying in, like, a cave house in uh, Santorini, had an awesome hotel in Mykonos, had penthouses in Dubai, had, uh, I think we had a... We have a penthouse, but we had a suite in Abu Dhabi, and it was incredible because all these hotels are paying for it, so can't really complain about that, and you, wow. we, we were living the high life, but oh, one morning, we uh, connected with one of these hotels. They took us up to like this like 45th floor, and it's like 5 a.m., and we see the sunrise over Dubai, and we're taking pictures in front of the Burj Al Arab. Um, which is the tallest hotel, or not tallest hotel, the tallest building in the world, and it is the most like epic utopian picture you will ever see um i mean the picture completely captures it but the just standing there and taking that in was incredible i bet what sort of things did that do for your perception on the world and your perception on uh what you're doing as a digital nomad businessman i think everyone before they go to college should pack up their suitcase and go overseas and experience different cultures because at the end of the day what i realized is like we really don't like we we don't take into account that there's a world outside of our communities especially where i grew up like so many people think that there's only one way to life and there's only one way to do things and there's only one path And by going overseas and taking in different cultures and seeing how they how they live and how they work and like the uniqueness to every single culture around the world. And then make when you come home, it either it allows you to respect certain things, but it also allows you to really easily challenge things. Because how are you supposed to challenge something we don't see the other side? You know what I mean? It makes it a lot easier to challenge the status quo when you see another side to it. And that's what I really got out of travel is like, you're allowed to see, you can see another side. And another thing I found is like going, a lot of people were just like, Oh, we'll go to Mexico and go on standard resort. And it's like, yeah. no, that's still America. Basically. Exactly. Like, you're not getting out of your comfort zone. Go pack up a backpack, go over to Europe, stay in hostels. Like it's not as expensive as you think you can flight hack, you can credit card, like credit card mile hack. You can stay at hostels, which are so much fun to meet people. Like, there's so many ways to travel and do it cheaply. Like, just most people in America don't realize it. For sure. I I can definitely agree with what you're saying. Going to a very conservative college. I remember I went to Thailand in high school and I was talking with all these Thai people. And, you know, it's one thing to travel. Um, to places where there's other, you know, white people that look like you and speak the same language with a different accent. And it's like, whoa, I'm so cultured, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and it's another thing to go to a place where everyone, you, you, you're the one that looks different from everyone and no one speaks your language. Exactly. Oh my gosh. It's so much fun. Like when I was in Medellin, Colombia, like I know very little Spanish 
and it was so much fun just trying to like talk with people like it was a, it was anytime i went out even to, like get my hair cut to order food to go in a taxi it was an adventure and that was like the best part of it it's unforgettable for sure and you know it's it's beautiful it, it, obviously broadens your horizons but you know over in uh in Thailand, you know, you speak to these Buddhist men, these very devout Buddhist men, and they tell you um, about, for instance, their religion and what they believe, and they say with such faith in their eyes as if, you know, a very faithful Christian here in the U.S. would do so. And it really makes you makes you think, well, this one has a completely different religion than us, and the, you know, perhaps the only reason that their religions are there they believe what they believe is because of the geography the geographic area where they were born exactly and it makes you think you know and then i, I asked that it, it makes you think who's right and at the exactly. end of the day it's like you know what how many people question their beliefs and in, in like their ideologies the amount of people who like don't even think twice about what they believe in and they just believe in it because that's how they grew up is crazy and exactly. I'm like why don't you question this why don't you think of something else because you know what it's hard it's gonna cause discomfortable conversations with people you know and people exactly. who are in your community but at the end of the day how are you supposed to believe in something when you know you haven't like found the belief yourself exactly. and it was given to you for sure if you haven't challenged it then what is it you know i ask people that in my school i look them in the eye and i tell them that and they look at me blasphemously <laughs> and um then I realized that, yeah, they haven't thought about it more than twice. And I ask them, okay, well, they're like, well, I'm right, you know, because Christianity, you know, doesn't contradict yourself or whatever, you know, whatever anything might have told them, a pastor might have told them in the past. And uh, you, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. And, you know, they they're like, well, you know, th for this reason, that's wrong. And they really just nobody really knows what they're talking about at yeah, the same time. People need to have radical open mindedness. Like, mm. and now I'm not going to say like Christianity is right. Buddhism is right. Like, I, I'll be honest. I don't even know. Like, I, yeah, but no, no one you need to that. have like an open mind to everything. I mean, just like in life, you need to you need if someone gives you a new idea, your first thing shouldn't be to back your idea. You should listen to their ideology figure out like why they believe it what made them believe it maybe they believe their ideology for the same reason you believe yours but maybe they believe their ideology because of something that happened or an experience they had or an enlightenment and by the first thing if the first thing is you do is just refute it you're not you're not being open you're not being you're not being able to take in that idea and now religion politics um, anything like you know what I mean anything like people are just so hard-pressed to their ways the right the right way and if you're if you're wrong just believe you know what I mean exactly exactly and yeah, that's really the beauty of travel I um, I had a meeting with uh, awesome CEO of an engineering company here in the Berg and he's like I'm like well what's the what's the one most valuable thing, right? You could tell people my age. He's like, travel as much as you can, and that's fascinating. And I told, I asked another successful um, man in the Berg, uh, you know, that hasn't really left the Berg. I don't think he's ever been outside the Berg. <laughs> I asked him, "What's the one thing 
And he's like, well, I mean, just stick to stick to what you're doing. No, I asked him, I asked this guy, like, I want to travel. And I, I told this guy, I want to travel and all this. And he starts refuting it like, well, when you travel, you're taking away, you know, from your ability to build your business. Because this reason, this reason, this reason, this reason, you know, and such. And uh, But nonetheless, one's very open-minded and, you know, really been able to take in as many things which gives you the the most opportunity to find your true fulfillment your true calling perhaps and the other ones you know sticking to his guns and such is just such a radical difference in between people who you know as you said have that radical um curiosity and such uh that's awesome though. do you have any other traveling stories that are pretty epic mm. Ooh. ah trying to get at oh you want to hear how i started traveling yes uh or kind of what the inspiration was well i was just kind of traveling in the u.s going to a couple different cities because i mean honestly i didn't travel the u.s much so like i never went out to the west coast never went to uh by myself to new york so i kind of wanted to do a little u.s hop in between a couple locations and i met up with my friend in orlando um and he was at the time working at disney and we went to the park one day and i left the next day and i'm like hey connor do you want to uh go to medellin colombia and this is like two days after i left he's like yeah let's do it bro we found tickets and booked them the next day that's sweet man that's exactly how i ended up in medellin now how i ended up in europe my buddy mike who i met up when i was in new york He's like, hey, man, I'm going to be in, I'm doing this like trip through Dubai and Greece. You want to come along? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Granted, I met Mike for the first time in person in New York. (laughs) Well, that's pretty funny, but, you know, following your hunches, um, probably a good thing at the end of, at the end of, uh, you know, many days and such. Exactly. That's, and that's one thing is like, just say yes. You know what I mean? Don't don't really think about it. Just like do it. Like, don't even be like, ah, what, what are my parents think? Say yes and figure it out later. I mean, that's that, that has led to so many amazing experiences in my life. It's just like a simple thing of being radically open-minded. For sure. And this has been just within the past three years, right? Oh, yeah, I know. All this is in the last three years, a lot within the last year. <laughs> that's epic. And, you know, it'll be cool to see when we're at 30, 40, because we're actually the same age, right? Yeah. You're 21? Yeah. yeah. Okay, awesome. Hey, we're, we're legal now. Hey, yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's for sure. It definitely hasn't worn off yet, the the freshly twenty one. So if what's your favorite quote on earth? Oh, my favorite quote. I'm looking at the one on my desk right now. And it's by Marcus Aurelius, who who's a stoic philosopher who I absolutely recommend. Uh, it's called Meditations. And one of the quotes is waste no more time arguing what a good man should be, be one. Just as simple as that. Like, don't think, just do it. You know what I mean? (laughs) And I feel like that's just such a thing with life is like, don't think about what it should be. Just go and do it. And now it's not, not only around being a good person, but just like throughout your whole life and um, just embodying that. Definitely. That's a great way to really sum up uh, the podcast. And Rob, I just want to thank you once again for being on. Do you have any uh, other advice or any other uh, last words, any plugs for anything for any listeners? Uh, I don't really need to plug myself. You can follow me on Instagram, though. Like, actually, I actually haven't posted anything in a while. And actually, that, that is some great advice is, holy crap, delete Instagram, delete Facebook, delete all your social medias. It makes life so much more simpler. 
and like literally you stop thinking and comparing yourself to other people and like and then you can focus on yourself so much more like honestly that that has been a huge um thing that's helped with like my mental health and my just view of myself over the last couple months is deleting those platforms getting off them and (laughs) someone put it best at this conference you know how many there's probably like what 50 phd is at instagram right now that are trying to make you stay on instagram longer so they can make more money it's you versus them Mm. that is a great way to put it and you know you're so right about that uh some people will argue on the side of building a personal brand on instagram and all that and you know i'm i mean if you're doing it with a purpose mm. okay but i mean you can always get a va to do all your posting for you and do every do everything so you can you know kind of stay off of it a little bit but if you're building a personal brand that doesn't mean that like you're going to be wasting your time on it you know what you know you know what i'm saying like if for you're sure. using it for a purpose then go for it but if you're using it just to spend an hour a day scrolling and looking at other people's lives and not focusing on your own life. What are you doing on it? You know? And I think that's what I realized. I would just stupidly scroll and I'd be like, I'm just trying to take in other people's lives and not live my own and not be present in the moment. Great point. Great point. Well, thank you fishbowl audience for listening to this. Uh, It's been episode 16 of the fishbowl till next time.